More opt-outs, injuries, and bullpen drama mark the beginning of yet another week. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It worked great in a fantasy I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, August 3rd. Al Melk, you're here. I am here with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Do you remember us talking about being worried about Aaron Judge? And, you know, is he going to be okay this season? That was that was, that was was funny. Yeah, looking back on it, that was pretty silly, right? I mean, if you trace it all the way back to the point before we thought anything was going to be wrong with Aaron Judge back in spring training... He made sense to me as a top 20 overall pick. Like He was one of those guys who was going a bit later than he should have. I thought he was a first-round value in the second round. And it all unraveled when we learned that this rib injury that he had at the end of last season was still a problem. And then we had the roller coaster throughout the shutdown period. Where's he at? Is he having another CT scan? You know, Is he going to be healthy when things start back up? And even that, even that hadn't really fully healed it seemed as spring training 2.0 or summer camp started but Aaron Judge very clearly healthy and still very good at hitting baseballs it, I, it's exactly what I was going to say so we are in agreement Aaron Judge can hit baseballs uh, so well that's uh, you know certainly some some good news uh, but you know as it is uh, I would expect for every Monday show uh, it's going to be Uh, trying to get a lot of information out there. So um, let's uh, move on and talk about the three players who opted out over the weekend, Lorenzo Cain, Yoannis Cespedes, and Francisco Liriano. Uh, And the two hitters in particular uh, leave, uh, you know, certainly leave holes to be filled uh, on their rosters. So with the Brewers, it's actually you're seeing the the depth there really being challenged because not only has Kane opted out, but now Ryan Braun is also on the injured list with an infected finger. So what's the the fallout from those two uh, issues? You know, Ben Gamble is going to play a lot. I think he becomes the primary center fielder, at least against right-handed starters. I think we're probably going to see Keon Broxton get added to the player pool uh, or to the roster, he's in the player pool already. He's going to get added to the roster probably before the Brewers begin their next series. They have a four-game set with the White Sox, and they're scheduled to see three lefties. So it's not a good first week for Ben Gamble matchup-wise, having to go lefty-lefty three out of those four games if he gets those starts. Kind of wonder if Keon Broxton is a sneaky NL-only league pickup just because he does offer some power and speed. Obviously, there's some batting average risk, and I don't see him playing a lot more than the starts against lefties. But Ben Gamble's got a new swing, Al. Uh, He tried to tweak some things throughout the spring. He has a swing that now looks kind of similar to Christian Yelich's swing, actually. He's not Christian Yelich, even with those changes, of course. But I think I bring it up just because Gamble is one of those guys that seem kind of like a empty slash line, doesn't bring a lot of power or speed to the table type player, like a prototypical fourth outfielder, even more of like a fifth outfielder prior to this season. And I think with this chance to play, he might find some mixed league, deep, deep mixed league value now because you know playing four out of six games, five out of seven games every week, that bodes pretty well for his chances of becoming relevant. 
Yeah, well, I needed a Cameron Maven replacement in our uh, Tout Wars 15 teamer. And uh, I didn't get Gamble. He was actually a, con- a contingency bid for me, but uh, definitely on my radar in 15 team leagues and certainly deeper as well. And then the Mets, of course, they'll be without Jonas Cespedes. I would assume that Dominic Smith is the big playing time gainer there. Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, I think Smith uh, was kind of the odd man out initially when Cespedes was healthy and, and kind of primed to be the primary DH. Uh, it's another platoon type situation where I could imagine that Smith probably sits a lot against lefties. And if you look at that Milwaukee situation, you mentioned Ryan Braun's finger infection. That probably puts Logan Morrison into a big side platoon role temporarily as well. So there are a decent number of corner infield options who are going to play more than usual, at least for the short term. I don't know if Braun's injury is going to keep him out you know, more than that 10-day minimum on the IL, but uh, definitely some interesting names to think about. I guess the same problem that applied to Gamble applies to Morrison with three lefties in the first four starts against the White Sox. Yeah, and uh, Gamble's been more productive in recent history than the Morrison is. I mean, the last three years have not been really all that kind to him. So I've been looking at him as a little bit more of a deeper option. But uh, yeah, the playing time should definitely increase for uh, for both of them. A few things that uh, we definitely need to keep tabs on as first pitch uh, approaches on Monday. Uh, the Cardinals over the weekend had more positive COVID-19 tests. They are supposed to begin a series with the Tigers on Tuesday. But obviously, um, we've seen in the past week or so that the schedule is very changeable. So that's certainly a situation to watch. Mookie Betts on Sunday uh, left the Dodgers game early with a sore left middle finger. The good news is that his x-rays were negative. He's considered day-to-day. Shohei Otani, uh, DVR, I know we were both were watching that start and frankly it was was hard to watch. Um, and turns out that he does have an arm issue and is going for an MRI. So we'll uh, hope for the best there for Shohei Otani and, and keep tabs on that. Uh, Tim Anderson over the weekend was placed on the 10-day injured list with a strained groin. So the shortstop pool is deep, but uh, it does uh, drop off a bit when you're talking about looking for replacements, even in a 12-team league. Who do you like out there if uh, you have Anderson on your roster and you've got to find somebody to replace him in the coming week? You know, I think David Fletcher is playing at a pretty high level right now. There's still not a lot of power to get excited about there, but he's kind of just a hit machine That's a good Angels lineup. It does take a hit if Otani's forced to miss some time with that arm injury. Of course, what he brings to the heart of the order when he's hitting is a pretty nice lift. Uh, David Fletcher is just uh, one of those guys that can actually bring you high batting average as well. You don't find a lot of great batting average sources on the waiver wire. Think of the the other names that are are on the rundown. J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford's pretty interesting, though, too, because he's playing a lot. He's striking out only about 10% of the time. He's stealing a couple bases, chipping in as far as being a good source of run scored, just doing a little bit of everything. I think people are kind of maybe fatigued of J.P. Crawford because he was a top prospect for so long and he hasn't really delivered on that hype just yet. But if you look at him, he's got pretty good control of the strike zone. He's got a little bit of power. He's got a little bit of speed. And when a guy like that ends up in a prominent lineup spot, they can carry a surprising amount of fantasy value. So I think J.P. Crawford as a low-cost addition definitely stands out to me. Yeah, so definitely a deeper league option uh, for Anderson uh, in a league where maybe somebody like a, a Fletcher is no longer available. 
Um, Joey Votto was placed on the COVID injured list on Sunday. Also, Eric Hosmer going on the injured list. So a couple of first basemen uh, might need to be uh, need to be finding replacements there. And Chris Bryant sat out both Saturday and Sunday for the Cubs with stomach issues. And he's been consistently testing negative for COVID-19, uh, but he does have to follow the protocol. So that's going to be another situation to watch again as we're uh, setting lineups this week. But sticking with the Cubs here, Tyler Chatwood followed up a really good first start against the Brewers with uh, just an absolutely dominant start against the Pirates. And between those two starts, he's got a 17.2% swinging strike rate. To put that in perspective, among qualified starters, these are the only ones that have a higher rate than Chatwood in terms of swings and misses. Uh, Luis Castillo, Max Scherzer, Yu Darvish, and uh, Shane Bieber. That's it. <laughs> good list. And it's a really good list. It's a good, good, good company to keep. And something that's, to me, equally as important is that with Chatwood, we've always been concerned about the walks for him. And he's not pitching in the zone a whole lot, but now he's got a, a chase rate that's on the, the high side of average, 32.1%. So, you know, if he can keep that going, I mean, he's he could just be a double threat in terms of getting strikeouts at a high rate and not being bothered by walks anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think Chatwood's always one of those guys that might have a three and a half, four walks per nine sort of walk rate. Like, that's probably where he's going to be. If he beats that, that's amazing. I think the key is that he's still getting a ton of Ks, getting a ton of whiffs, getting some weak contact. He's worked in a cutter going back to the second half of last season that has been much more effective than the four-seamer that he was previously throwing. Uh, it moves pretty much like opposite his two-seamer. So if you see pitching ninja gifts from Tyler Chatwood, they're nasty because you get the arm side running the sinker. You get that cutting action away from right-handed hitters with the cutter. And there's a little bit of a speed difference there too, of course, but he's always had intriguing stuff and it kind of seems like he's putting something together that makes him more effective than he's ever been before. So I'm in on Tyler Chatwood. The next start comes at Kansas City against the Royals. Even if you're kind of lukewarm because he's Tyler Chatwood and you've been disappointed many times before, I think streaming him against Kansas City is the bare minimum, but I think there's a good chance you pick him up and hold on to him for a while. I think he's going to end up being a difference maker this year. Yeah, it's certainly looking that way after two starts. And we had some surprisingly good starts over the weekend. Uh, Tyler Alexander, actually, I'm sorry, not a start, uh, an appearance, I should say. Tyler Alexander actually uh, came in as the bulk reliever and tossed 3.2 no-hit scoreless innings against the Reds, 11 whiffs on 55 pitches, and 16 called strikes. Now, I did see, I think it was UDVR, commenting that he had a pretty healthy um, strike zone, and certainly the um, you know the uh, pitch location graphic backed that up. Did you actually watch that, or, or were you just responding to the graphic? No, I had, I had that game on in the background. I think as the announcers were getting more excited, I think from about the fifth strikeout on, I was kind of glued to it, and he was getting very generous calls. I think it was Larry Vanover behind the plate, and uh, it's rare that we mention an umpire on Fantasy Baseball in 15. It's probably not a positive <laughs> thing if we do. Uh, I think Clay Link from Rotowire made the joke that Larry Vanover had probably picked up Tyler Alexander as a $1 pitcher in his AL-only league because <laughs> he was giving him a pretty nice outside-the-zone reach. Like it, it was a pear-shaped strike zone, Al. 
Yeah. Well, and again, that uh, sort of confirms what you see in the graphic of the pitch location. But, you know, uh, it was an effective performance and it's probably going to push them into the the Tigers rotation. And then Antonio Senzatella, uh, like Alexander, not somebody really known for getting strikeouts, but 16 swings and misses on 86 pitches against the Padres. And in case you thought maybe it was the matchup, the Padres going into that game had the second lowest whiff rate in the majors. And Sensatella wound up uh, just getting or giving up one run over six innings with six strikeouts. So one really good start from Sensatella. Actually, he's had two good starts, but that one with some strikeouts. Uh, I think you put them both just on the watch list uh, for now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think I'm doing a whole lot there. I've seen Sensatella pitch well, actually. I think at Miller Park against the Brewers, he had a, a gem of a start a couple of years ago. And I don't know if you if you just put him on a different team, if you could just push the reset button and not have his arsenal deal with Coors for half of his starts, if there'd actually be a viable like top 75 or top 90 starting pitcher. I think there's a decent chance there would be. He's still kind of young, too. He's been around for a few years, but he's still just 25 years old. Yep, yep. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I mean, I think the Rockies rotation could be pretty good one through five, believe it or not. Uh, but it is early. Uh, we do need to devote a little bit of time to closers here. And we're going to do this uh, sort of lightning round style DVR because um, there's a bunch of them. Uh, so I'll just ask you to maybe note the one or two potential closers to target out of these situations. You got the Cubs with Craig Kimbrell uh, off to a poor start. Hansel Robles. Last year, we waited all year for him to implode. Um, we had, you know, it's happening now, uh, apparently in 2020. And then a couple of D or IL moves, Roberto Osuna and Wade Davis. So Cubs, Angels, Astros, Rockies, one or two uh, potential save sources out of those situations that you would recommend. I think Rowan Wick really might be the guy for the Cubs. I think at this point, you know, the confidence in Craig Kimbrell is gone. Whether or not this is a temporary demotion and he has a chance to work his way back into the ninth inning is anybody's guess. But I think if you're in a shallow league, a 10 or a 12 team mixed league, and you think Craig Kimbrell is your best drop, you might not be wrong. Uh, I think Wick over Jeremy Jeffress is the way I would go. If you're going to speculate on that situation, it was Wick who got the save on Saturday after Kimbrell had an implosion on Friday. Uh, with Ozuna going on the IL in Houston, I mean, I think Ryan Presley, as long as he's healthy, could actually be a better closer than Ozuna because he can match the ratios but bring more Ks. And then Hansel Robles' situation is pretty bad with the Angels because the velocity is way down right now. It's one of the biggest red flags you can have as a pitcher. We're talking about a nearly three-mile-per-hour drop in fastball velocity. He was at a career-high 97.1 last year. He's averaged 94.4 on that pitch so far in 2020. It's really a coin flip, though, as far as who the replacements are. Felix Pena has been really good working more in multi-inning stretches, so I don't think he's really on the radar to close out games. If we're not going to count Pena as part of the options to replace him, Ty Butchery is probably the favorite over Keenan Middleton. There's very little that separates them. I think what it is for me is just if you go back to Robles' lone save this season, it was Keenan Middleton who pitched the seventh and Butchery who pitched the eighth. And I think that's just that little indicator we can get from a team that kind of gives us an idea of how they view their own relievers internally. 
Yeah, well, I was uh, thinking the same way in terms of Felix Pena, that maybe he's the one with the skills who emerges uh, a week or two down the line. So I went to one of my deepest leagues where you can't really get saves and Pena was already owned. Ooh. So, but that's probably, yeah, <laughs> it's a deep league. Uh, all right. Well, a few um, things to think about again, as we get ready to set lineups. Uh, would, how do you feel about Juan Soto and Austin Meadows this week? Would you feel good about starting either one? Soto supposed to debut on the fourth, so that's Tuesday. I think I would go ahead and trust them. It's early enough in the week where even if he's a day or two later, you're still getting at least a partial week, and he's such a great player when he's out there that it's hard to leave that production on the table. So I'd probably err on the side of being a little more aggressive with Soto. Uh, with Austin Meadows, I always worry that the Rays are going to break a player in slowly because they have so much depth. And you know he's expected to be activated at some point during the homestand. So there's a little less in terms of details there. So I think because we're just not as clear on Meadows just yet, at least at the time of this recording, I would err on the side of caution with him because he's a little more likely to be eased in of the two. But really tough choices to make. And uh, you know the schedule, as we learned uh, this week, is going to be a mess and written in pencil yeah. and something to check every single day before you lock in your lineups. Yeah. And on that note, the Marlins have been cleared to resume their schedule uh, starting with this uh, Tuesday against the Orioles. So check on your Marlins and also keep in mind that Monty Harrison is going to be called up um, as reported by Craig Mish. So uh, he may be somebody you, you'd be looking to add this week. And uh, also while you're taking a look at your rosters and figuring out who to start, who to sit, maybe who to move already this early in the season, check out Gene McCaffrey's piece in the athletic stock watch, a Earth of Steels, The Art of Selling Your Slumpers, and more. Great piece by Gene, as always. And that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, well, you can get 40% off a subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything from the site is going to be a part of that subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will We'll be right back here on Tuesday. 